0: yeah
1: so we are wonderfully privileged and i'm excited to welcome dennis for the first time to christ church north shore we look forward to other times in the future but this is very very wonderful Uh, having pastor hammond here in august when we didn't think he was going to be able to preach here uh, was an amazing amazing gift so to have you here Uh, is also very, very significant. I know it's more significant than we even recognize or what we can see in the natural. There's something very significant uh, in the Spirit having you here. So we welcome you. We bless you uh, in terms of our apostolic oversight and leader of KMI, our extended family. Would you come and preach the Word? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm
0: yeah,
1: I think so yeah they said in it, it? you need this love
0: yes I, yes, I do <clears throat> I think I'm going to key off of the history that we've been talking about it's It's. Um, it seems to be I walked in the door and I started on English history so we might as well, well keep on that Paul and I were talking there you are yes um all spiritual history, however. And Dennis and I, um, it, it's interesting. We, we, when we founded Kingdom Ministries International, it was called His Name Fellowship. But we had, um, we had some difficulties because most people assumed that his name we were talking about was Dennis, not Jesus. <laughs> so that was the first of our name changes. But we're now Kingdom Ministries International. And um, we've that, changed
1: names so many times that it's how we keep people off our trail. <laughs> uh,
0: it is funny when a donor, a larger donor, you know, wants to know, you know, your IRS stuff. And when we sent the history, they, they, I can't remember. I think there is literally seven different names at different points because we changed the name when God had, had changed the goal at that particular time for us. But anyway, we were a church family. We we never were a church organization. We got the we got the uh, the legal status in order to render unto Caesar what was Caesar's and keep separate what was God's. So um, so it was a it was a, a different thing because we have in Kingdom Ministries International become a network of networks. And uh, in a sense the first time that happened was when Pastor Jem Came and said he felt like the Lord had told him to work with Dennis. So um, you're sort of the first fruits of a of a uh, of a, an extended family. Up to then, we'd only had congregations that that were sort of connecting to us rather than a than a, a, a church situation that came in more like a network of networks. So you're you're a special child too, so to speak, in in that history and. Um, certainly it's had wonderful wonderful consequences Uh, sometimes people called SCS strategic courting services for several (laughs) years Um, and uh, I must admit that we developed the spiritual insight in our women many of them were able to see God's choices quicker than some of the brothers including some present here So that was.
1: (laughs) Brothers, we hope you cut that. What she just said.
0: So anyway, it's a joy to be here, and uh, the the uh, generations. Of course, uh, as you get older, you do lose your energy. It's a very sad thing. I believed what people told me, and I knew it was going to happen. But I think that's why there's so much joy in seeing grandchildren, because we were your age when we started our march. And you have the energy to keep it up. So it's a blessing to be here.
1: Thanks, love. (laughs) The good, I was called Norm, good Dr. Willis. That's what I wanted to know. The tether that I am on. 1030. Well... I am blessed. I'm just feeling you. And uh, I was, uh, as you began to speak, dear son, uh, I had the same feeling that I did. I I flashed back to one of the first, maybe the first time I addressed Norm's church when they had just been planted. I just went back there. And uh, that's very interesting. I want to uh, talk this morning and plant or cultivate an idea that many of you have been exposed to, but uh, you never, ever, ever outgrow your need for basics. Uh, Athletics taught me that. And uh, uh, whatever God has called you into is where he teaches you. Say, so never say, I wish I did what you do because then I would learn something or learn more. If you're doing what God has called you to do, that is your school. And it is prophetic. I, Jan puts up with me, and one of the things that I do, because I'm very much a creature of habit, uh, I, I'm always amused when people view me as radical. Well, there's a side of me that is, but I'm extremely conservative as a personality in terms of lock and load. It's one of my great strengths. Guess what one of my great weaknesses? Lock and load. <laughs> it's very hard to move me out of what I'm convinced is God. So. Uh, but I get up in the morning, uh, usually not sure who I am or where I am. Uh, that's true. Uh, we we used to have a uh, a company down in San Francisco where I would drive in the morning and I would have been driving an hour and a half and all of a sudden I'd wake up. Uh, did you hear what I just said? <laughs> I was on automatic pilot. You know, <laughs> I'm a fourth degree black belt in karate and that means I'm supposed to be able to move and fairly athletic still. As I told my grandchildren when they reminded me at the amusement park, you're the oldest person we saw on any of the rides. They thought that was great, and they said, you're 70 years old. I said, this is an opportunity to teach. I said, yes, but to me 70 is only a number. But be that as it may, in the morning when I get up, Jan stays out of my way because I will bump into her because I'm not I'm not in my ninja mode yet. Okay. <laughs> so. But basics is everything. And what I want to share this morning is an idea that you know. And, and I'm always amused and blessed when worship or a scripture that is read is exactly what I'm going to talk about. And we never communicate. And that happens to me a lot. So, um, We quoted Romans 8. I'm going to turn here to 2 Corinthians 1. You can turn or I'll read it. Uh, verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. How many of you glad God comforts a little bit? Who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the same comfort we ourselves are comforted by God. And he says, For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. And he goes on, but then he gets honest, not that he wasn't. Verse 8. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, I knew a man who used to say, I don't want you ignorant brothers. How many of you know it matters where you put the comma? (laughs) But he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. How many of you are grateful that that Paul was honest enough to break out of the glory march, you know, and and all this heavy language about we can't be separated and nothing and and all that's true. But here's the same guy saying, This got so heavy, we were sorry we were alive. Wow. I am so glad, Paul Had the courage to tell it out of his own life. You know, Mr. Superman, and there's probably no human being beyond Jesus that we owe more to than Paul. I'm looking forward and I've wondered many times what will I say as I look into his eyes? If I can I imagine I'm gonna be a puddle of tears. But I'm gonna thank him. Thank you, Paul. You made a way for us. So I just want to remind us that even in whatever level of despair we would ever go into, there not only is a way out, there's a clear way out. Now turn back with me, if you would, to Psalms. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm going to go one more place and then we'll go to Psalms. Matthew 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. And then we come to one of these little verses that has got an atomic bomb in it. Now, when John heard John, who, by the way, was a, Blood relative of Jesus. There's no question that Jesus and John not only knew each other, John the Baptist knew each other. I'm sure they played together. Are you kidding me? I, you know, I've always been somebody who's after the hidden stuff. I, if, and I'm, you know, I wonder how much of this life. And our things we're curious about here will transfer into the future. I mean, I'd hope there's instant replay in heaven. Anybody else? You know, I've, first time as a younger kid, I I saw David running out to meet Goliath. I want to see that. You know, that that is a part of the warrior side of me. I'd like to see that. I'd like to look in Goliath's eyes and then look in his eyes as he was on the way down to the ground. I digress. <laughs> but one of the things I want to ask Jesus after maybe a thousand years of saying other stuff, you know, we're all going to download for a while. Yeah. Amen. And then we can get to the more curiosity issues. that I want to ask Jesus and John, what did you talk about? Because you both knew. I mean, your parents would have told you that you had unusual births. That's a euphemism for are you kidding me? Angels showing up and (laughs) slaughtering thousands of babies because you showed up and, you you know, quite a bit of turmoil. What did you guys talk about? It wasn't the Lone Ranger. Or cowboys and Indians. Okay. So those guys grew up knowing each other. My life at this point is filled with so many heavy moments. I don't mean heavy as in negative, heavy as, as in, oh my God. Wow. I cannot imagine what John felt inside, I can make me make cry. Right. When, when Jesus, he saw Jesus and he knew it was the time, the Holy Ghost inside him, he knew it was the time. And they probably have talked about it as kids. He says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And man, as Jesus walks up to him in that moment, What was going on? Wow, John, here we are. We knew it was coming. Here we are. So that when John starts fussing with him about who gets to baptize who, because John knows who he is. Jesus says, I I can... You know, the Scriptures are limited in what you, unless you get into the moment of the holy spirit Jesus looks into his eyes he says no john it behooves us to fulfill all righteousness you baptize me that, that's a, whew, that's a heavy moment <laughs> so john and jesus i don't know how much jesus Knew. Jesus grew in his humanity. His consciousness grew. One of my questions for him is, how old were you when you discovered you were God? <laughs> you talk about a heavy reverie, a heavy revelant? Oh, my God. I'm God. Now, <laughs> don't worry about this because you will never have that experience. <laughs> And if you do, you need to see Eric and Lisa. Okay. But whatever it was that those guys talked about, and we don't know how much they knew, I can guarantee you, John, it says, this is crazy. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent a word by his disciples And said, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Do you have any idea the amount of disillusionment and pressure that took him from, behold, the Lamb of God? And all the time they had as kids. And I'm sure they prayed together. That's a no-brainer. To go from behold the Lamb of God to are you the one? Whoa! Yeah. And John weren't no sissy. You know, he was a lotus eater. He wasn't used to comfort. He lived in the desert. I mean, he was a stud. He was not a religious guy at all. So what, what disillusionment, what situation, what did the enemy throw at him? Maybe you can get where I'm going. What did the enemy throw at him that happened that wasn't supposed to happen? Or I never saw that coming. But he's in prison and he's broken down to the place where he hasn't lost his faith in God or the scriptures or he wouldn't be asking, are you the one to come? His faith in God was still there, but he'd been rocked to the core. And what I do, what Jan and I do, you know, which I was not prepared to be a pastor at all. That wasn't my life. And I, In fact, when I went to my 20th high school reunion, people thought I was joking with them. When they I said, I'm a pastor. Be, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm the queen of Sheba. <laughs> I, I want to say, hey, I wasn't that bad. Why are you... Really? (laughs) You view me like, wow. Um, But I'm so glad that in the times of, you know, the times where I've hit challenges, I didn't get a sermon. How many of you know you don't really need a sermon when you're really... That ain't going to help you. And... Jesus did not rebuke the disciples. He didn't say, oh, you have little faith. Now, he said that to some of the other guys, and he had some unkind words that were not politically correct for the religious leaders. I've had some words with religious leaders, but I'm quite proud of the fact that I'm not as bad as Jesus was. I never called them snakes, vipers. My greater challenge was in another direction with those guys. As if, maybe if I slapped you a good a couple times, it might jar you out of this, but I never did that either. But I wasn't, you know, verbally abusing religious people much. (laughs) But here's what he does. He immediately defends... And edifies and reveals John. He says, "Go tell John what you hear and see. Blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. Deaf hear. Dead are raised. Poor have the good news. And blessed is he who is not offended in me." Now, in the Greek, the word is scandalized, and the. Word comes from the stick that was called a scandalon that held up a box that trapped birds or small animals. So the scandalon, when you knock the scandalon out of the way, the trap comes down and the prey is trapped. I used to teach rape prevention and, and uh, that sometimes. And I would... Let me just say training, that stuff, and I curse every oriental demon, so you won't think I'm trapped in that. Um, I would say to the ladies, ladies, there's nothing I can give you in a day that is going to really help you in certain ways, except two things. The faith that if you have the presence of mind to do a couple of things, you're going to raise your chances way, 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 way up. But you're going to have to make a decision. By the way, the first thing you should do, ladies, just by the way, is if you have keys, throw them away and run. The other direction. direction. Eighty percent of people who get in a vehicle will die. That's the stats. So you throw the keys away and run. But if you can't do that, you have to make a decision to hold your peace, and obviously pray in tongues and in the Spirit a bunch. And you have to decide one thing. Whether or not you're willing to take out an eye. If, now this time whoa, we're getting down into real stuff. This is not nice. If you're willing to poke out an eye, your chance is about 100% that you're going to get away. And I'd then watch the lady's eyes I'd read eyeballs and I'd see them calculating. Can I, could I do that? That isn't nice. Do I have the whatever to be able to do something like that? And, you know, and the reason I'm bringing that up, because this gets me down into the warrior side of all this stuff, is in order to avoid being scandalized to the point where separation is on the table. Not in any way refuting what, what Paul said, but I'll tell you, when he got down to despairing life, he was down to the basics, basics, basics of what he believed. Every single one of us is going to be given multiple opportunities by both God and the devil to make choices that lead to despair and the brink of life and death. It goes with the territory. That is why the Bible talks about our faith being more precious than gold. Because coming to crises, coming to challenges, coming to disappointments, coming to a broken heart, either by a sense of personal betrayal or, in John's case, by a, a disruption of what he thought the story was going to look like. All of those things are opportunities to be grabbed by disillusionment, by anger at God, by anger at another human being, by. A word not coming true the way the prophet said it was going to come true. So if you've been around for a while and you've been in running in the circles that we run in and in knowing the reality of the current presence of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you have had somebody say something to you or promise something to you or indicate something to you and then it doesn't come out or apparently even coming to pass at all. Now I've been in, I've been in all that more than once. trust me. Okay. I had a lot of time on my hands when I was at the height of my sickness and I can assure you the way that came on me was not in my plans. And the bummer was I hadn't done anything to quote unquote deserve it. There are no big secret sins in my life. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just... My rule of thumb was if I get in trouble I will fall on my own sword. Guys I run with that's the rules of the game. You're going to have to find me out. Okay, That's not the game I'm in. And that was part of my big challenge is what is this? Why is this? This is not in the program. When I, because my, God gave me a very, a strong body and health. I don't get sick. I tried to convince Frank who wants to shoot a flu shot in me. I said, I haven't had the flu in 20 years, but but I've learned to be obedient. (laughs) But, what? What? How come I can't get up? How come I can't? What? What did you? How have you failed me now at this point? When God touched my health, for me, that was a huge stronghold because that's never been on the table. That's not been on the table. I've had several other words from God that were so confirmed, they appeared to be coming to pass. And then they crashed. That's an, a wonderful opportunity to whoa, drop back down into what you really believe right. and what God's put in. And by the way, on one level, I'm thinking, I'm, there's enough going on around here. Don't, I didn't come here to deal with this, but if you're if you've been offended by somebody, do what you need to do biblically, but if you have not really been rocked yet, be of good courage this too shall yeah no shall come to pass I mean. Paul when i get when i get to this oh Paul all in asia have deserted me what what were they blind how could you desert paul well i will not bring that subject up with peter And you just spent three years with him. Are you kidding me? And Paul, uh, how many of you know Peter was not a sissy like the three amigos? Look at the little sissies. No, Peter. Peter was not a sissy. And if there's pacifists in here, God bless you. Seriously, I'm not being sarcastic, but I want to know. I've never heard the Bible sermon on why Peter was armed in the garden. He didn't pull out a centurion sword. It says he reached out of his scabbard and pulled out his own sword. Jesus had armed disciples. How come I never hear about this? Somebody like me always wonder, how come I never got told about this stuff? <laughs> now, it, it, the one thing being with Jesus for three years had done to Peter, we know for sure, is it had reduced his skill with the sword. Because he was going to cut the guy's head off and he only got at Malchus's ear. He realized how rusty he was. But can you imagine the disillusion that was in Peter? Peter was not given to fear. I mean, Ed, the whole picture we get getting him. If anybody was going to jump into the game, it was Peter. And I'm not complaining. If I had time, well, let me just do this. Take you here and trust the Lord will fill in some of the blanks. Go to Psalm 105. Talk about Joseph here as we come down the home stretch. Psalm 105, 16 says God, some of your versions may not say this, some of them do. God summoned a famine on the land and broke the supply of bread. Oh, this is just so good stuff. How many of you get excited about How many of you think God's kind of smart and has maybe thought it through before He began the whole game? Amen. By the way, when you see Him you're going to have an interesting experience. Because when you look at him, you won't have much to say because you're going to figure out pretty quick that he already knows what you're going to say before you say it, so why say it? (laughs) Trust me. But God had already sent a man ahead. goosebumps when I get into this 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 way we in if you can hear it what famine in somebody else's life has God sent you ahead It's pretty, uh, it's pretty intentional about this game. <clears throat> now, it, we all know Joseph. Joseph oh, man, Joseph had a vision, and he, he saw his father and his brothers falling down before him. Joseph's first problem was he hadn't been to church enough to understand that when you take a prophecy like that to the brothers that they are going to be worshiping at your feet, that they're not going to receive it with joy. (laughs) Have any of you ever had a word from God, given it to somebody, thought they'd get excited, and they looked at you like you're crazy? (laughs) He got the normal human response. They sold him into slavery. And then made up a phony deal, sprinkled blood on it, and tried to convince the dad that, as for our brother, we know not what has happened to it. Okay? And he's sold. How many of you have been sold into something? How many of you have had people take you where you did not want to go? But but you didn't understand that all of that was beginning a sequence Design to later, depending upon how you did in the test, make you bread for somebody else. Sold as a slave, feet hurt with fetters, neck put in a collar of iron. No, I don't think anybody in here has been that mishandled by the brothers yet. So we're saying he went to an extreme. His brothers did this to him. Until, how many of you know a Bible word? Until is a mountainous word. (laughs) It kind of goes with that phrase, and it came to pass. How many of you have been in this long enough to pray, and it came to pass? Younger ones, be of good cheer. Sure. It's coming. It will in your life. So when it comes, you can get serious enough to decide, will you poke out an eye? Most, most of you, and I'm not, speaking down to you when I'm saying this. I'm just saying I know it's true. Most of you or many of you have not yet wrestled it through deep enough to get clear that it is personal. Satan's relationship to you and by the way the closer you get to God the closer you get to the devil. I was not told that in Sunday school either. Because the the thinner the veil gets in the spirit world, you get what's in the spirit world. How many of you think Jesus, maybe after 40 days of fasting, got a little closer to his Father? He got close enough for the devil to get interested. That's another thing you need to be aware of. You, the other day I was saying to you guys when you're praying, I don't mean to correct you. I'm just trying. My job is keep your butt safe. That's how I view my job. To tell you what, what does it mean when that punch is coming here? What does that mean? It's not time for a discussion. It's time to do what you've trained yourself to do in the Spirit. You're all in training. The question is, what level are you training? Joseph goes from one catastrophe to another. He gets out and he's thrown back in. He can't get loose. Because what God wanted him to be required a level of relationship with God that can only be forged in going through the fire of unfair, unexpected trials. Like your dad leaving. Give me a break. Or you fill in your... Your thing. You put in there what you didn't expect. But he made it through. And here's the key phrase. Until what he had said, the prophetic word, that had to be uttered by him as a prophet before it could even engage the material world as we said this week. Faith is a spiritual power that engages the material world. But faith is built and forged in the furnace of the reality that I'm talking about. And it says, the word of the Lord tested him. Any word from God you get is going to be tested Count on it. But you know what? God used all of that stuff to give him enough spiritual clarity to interpret Pharaoh's dream and store up food for several million people. You say, Why would why would God initiate a famine to keep something even more important set up now I'll close with this and this one hit me I remember in 1980 preached a sermon on this having a word that lasts 400 years Joseph gave instructions when I die we're going out and carry my bones I doubt if I've said anything if I said anything that made it 10 or 20 or 50 years I'd be saying wow that's I'm surprised mm-hmm. well what God had worked in Joseph had so much reality in it yeah. The when Several million people are in the haste of Pharaoh's anger and all the trials and tribulations and plagues. Before they went out, they made sure they found Joseph's bones. That's the kind of word that has been forged by this. Now my last team grab my hand. I no, grab my wrist I'm gonna grab. My, <laughs> Why did I do that for a moment? I got serious, I really was serious. I wasn't a game because when I'm feeling the enemy after after, you don't touch Jan, you wouldn't like me I, I if I feel the enemy grabbing it especially I mean. The protector thing is pretty strong in me. I feel that. I say, no, you cannot get a hold of me like that. I cannot afford. You cannot afford to let that get a hold of you. You can't afford it. Because God has got a plan for what he's doing in you to be food. Food. For somebody else. Now you just beginning here. I know many of you. My old friends here. I see the ones that we've been doing this with. No, 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 no. I'm not that old. Here, come on. (laughs) Some of the old timers. You as a fellowship will have your opportunities and that's God's gift because it builds words that go across time. It builds stuff that's permanent. Yeah. We're with you. We're with you. God bless you.